this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, and it is so good to have you back on now episode three of the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast. Today I sit down with my friend Patty Walters of the band As It Is. Now, some of you might not know this band because they are a pretty new band. They just released their first record, Um, but you're going to know about them a lot uh, in a very short time. I am convinced that this band is going to be the next big thing. Um, <laughs> the first question I ask him is pretty ridiculous, uh, and I can't wait to jump into it. But first, some news, some big Silverstein news, actually. Uh, if you're listening from Canada, uh, Silverstein is coming across Canada next year uh, on a great tour with uh, Being as an Ocean, Amorosa, uh, this awesome new band called Rarity. It's on Rise Records. You guys got to check them out. Uh, and that's super, super huge news. Um, and right now, if you guys are in the U.S., we are also on tour uh, with Census Fail, a co-headlining tour. And it's we're having so much fun right now. We're just uh, a couple weeks in. Uh, so if you haven't got your tickets for that yet, make sure you check out soundrink.com. Uh, they are not only the sponsor of the show, but they are also uh, someone that Silverstein has been working with um, on our ticket links and our VIPs and everything for quite some time, and they do such an awesome job. So go over to soundrink.com, uh, take a look at the VIP packages. There's still a few things left there, um, and they have just regular ticket links too as well if you just want to come for uh, general admission or whatever it is. So it's a great tour not to be missed, so we'll see you there. Also, don't forget, if you live in Toronto or the greater Toronto area, the GTA as we call it, uh, make sure you check out Stay Warm Festival. It's on December 20th. Uh, Silverstein, we've put it together. We're headlining, and we've got some great bands coming as well. We've got Cancer Bats, Beartooth, Seaway, and also we have um, Capsize, who is out with us um, on Census Fail Tour right now. Uh, such a great lineup, so please um, actually go over to SoundRink. They have the VIP and the ticket links uh, right there at SoundRink.com. You should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, great website. So uh, we'll see you at Stay Warm Festival 2015, December 20th at the Danforth Music Hall. And as for show news, man, uh, this podcast has been like popping off already, and I mean, I had no idea this many people were going to be so like stoked on it. And I mean, the hate line is not buzzing. I'm a little bit bummed. I'm a little bit bummed. The hate line, 657-666-HATE. You got to give me a call. Uh, leave some messages for me. I want to hear your hate. 
really let me have it this time. I got a couple. They were kind of weak sauce. And, and this started out like with some, you know, violent uh, message. And then at the end, it was like, I'm just kidding. I love you, buddy. No, 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 no. I don't want that. I want the real, the real, real sickness. Give it to me. But please keep those show recommendations coming too, because I've had so many great recommendations and now I'm working with uh, my producer, Nick, and we're trying to get all these people on the show and it just seems so cool. Like all these people are like, oh my God, your show is so good. And I'm like, I don't know. I just started doing some interviews. So it's so great. So please continue to hit me up. Uh, Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, And be sure to get on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We got all those as well. So let's get this going. As it is, they've been together since 2012. They're from Brighton, England. They are on Fearless Records. Um, (laughs) The first thing you're probably going to think is, wait, I thought you said that they were an English band. How come this dude doesn't have an English accent? And it's kind of funny. He was actually born in Minnesota, USA, uh, and moved to England at a young age. And I guess he just never picked up the uh, English accent. So... um, it's a little funny when he uses um, British slang and British terms, and you're like, dude, you sound like a Yankee. Uh, but it was a great interview, and I had a lot of fun talking to him. And it's very interesting how he started out as a kid, uh, basically didn't have anyone committed to a band, and started a YouTube channel and became super, super popular on there doing covers, uh, filming his own stuff, recording his own stuff, producing his own uh, you know, covers on YouTube, and it became such a huge thing. He still has a huge following on YouTube. So I ask him about that and we talk about a whole bunch of great stuff and we tell some great uh, tour stories at the end. So have a listen to my interview with Patty Walters from the band As It Is. How does it feel to be the new heartthrob of pop punk? <laughs> it feels good. That, that's also so you're taking that. That's you're like taking a, that and it's like a synonym it? for how does it feel to be uh, forgotten in the next five years? Oh shit! <laughs> I like how you turn that around and make it made it all self pessimistic. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, but seriously, like uh, you know, I guess some people listening to this probably won't be super familiar with their band with your band because you guys are a new band. Yeah. And uh, w- one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on is not only because I really believe in your band, and I think like when this airs, whenever it airs, you guys are going to be fucking blowing up and massive and selling at stadiums all across the world. Um, that's one reason, but also I just think the way you know your career path has gone uh, is actually really, really unique because there hasn't really been anyone from kind of this generation that has done what you've done. Sure, really, um, mm-hmm. and I guess kind of tell the people what I mean. The YouTube days? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I was seven, like I, I've been in bands since I was, you know, about 11 or 12 years old. And when I was 17, I found myself without a band and MySpace was, you know, totally crashing and burning at the time. Um, so, I, so I turned to YouTube as, uh, you know, a platform to uh, put my music out there. Um, and I posted covers on YouTube for about uh, five or six years uh, before and uh, during. Uh, our band's operation and uh, found a lot of success in doing it and uh, created a lot of opportunities for myself and our band in doing so. And um, it's it's something I, I, I've now been able to leave in the past because the band has been thriving uh, 
so very, very much in the last year or two. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a huge, integral, and important part of my life. So and, are you uh, like, because you're a great singer, obviously, and that's what you're doing as it is. But, uh, you know, watching your videos, like, you're playing everything. You know, yeah. you're playing guitar, bass, drums, which you seem like you're pretty adequate at all these instruments. What Did you play a bunch of different bands, a bunch of different instruments? I did, yeah, yeah. I, I started taking lessons on uh, guitar and drums when I was 12. Um, and I've, I've only recently had singing lessons and I didn't like, uh, learn bass or piano. I've just kind of taught myself that. Um, but a lot of it was just kind of just practicing, uh, and, and playing in bands on as many instruments as I could. So, I so how did you find yourself without a band? Um, just other people crapping out or yeah, yeah. you, you know, you know how it is just people uh, that didn't care as much as mm -hmm. I did weren't as like, you know, devoted to, to being in uh, a band or that specific band. Um, and I was really, really passionate about it. Um, uh, I'm straight edge. I, I, I didn't, I lost a lot of my friends because they wanted to like party and stuff. And I wasn't into that when I was like 15 and 16. And that meant I was also like becoming more introverted and turned more focused on, uh, practicing and, you know, my music. And so such. in a way doing solo, like a solo band and having these solo things was good for kind of your personality at that time, I guess. Most definitely. Yeah. So now do you think it's different? Cause you're a little bit older and now, I mean, you've kind of said you're dropping the YouTube thing completely. Is that yes. true? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Gone. It's in yeah, the it's past. Been, it's been it's been uh, over a year now since I've I've posted okay. to YouTube. So now, I guess maybe you're a little more confident, and that's why you decided, hey, let's start it up with another band. Or do you, do you, was it kind of part part to do with like how your popularity from the YouTube you felt like you could channel that into a successful band? Like, what made you made that decision? Yeah, I mean, it it had been maybe maybe three years uh, since I'd performed live. And I was really, really missing it. And I posted an ad on a site called joinmyband.co.uk looking for people to start a pop punk band with. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, cited some influences. And um, Andy, our lead guitarist, is who replied to that. Skinny and Mini. Yeah, that's that's him indeed. That's what and, I call uh, him. Yeah, and then uh, we, we found Foley as well through the same site. And... Uh, you know, we started that in 2012, and that was before, like, you know, my YouTube was, uh, you know, moderately successful. And, uh, you know, that we, we just kind of came up at the same time. It was, it was very interesting because they were totally separate entities. You know, like, YouTube was all about covers, and the band was all about the band and playing right. club shows to nobody. That's a good point, yeah. So when you were doing all these covers and stuff, like, were you ever tempted to throw up, like, an original tune? Did you ever do that on YouTube? I never did, no. Were you, was it because you were scared or was that just not the focus of what you were doing? Or? It wasn't the focus of what I was doing. It was at first, you know, I had like um, acoustic projects and stuff. And uh, then I, I found so much more joy in just, you know, covering a song every week and yeah. meeting that deadline and, you know, making people happy. That was the yeah. thing. It's just like seeing the uh, the instant gratification of the comments right. was, was hugely validating as well. But there must have been also a certain thing like, you know, it, it becomes such a numbers game for sure. when you're talking about like not just YouTube, but all social media and people will downplay that. Like people, oh, I don't care how many followers I have. And, you know, people will downplay that. But on things like YouTube, especially because YouTube generates money, mm -hmm. which I kind of want to ask you about in a minute, but those numbers and they keep rising and you put a new cover up and every week more and more people are coming and you have more and more subscribers to your channel. Like that must have been feeding your not only your ego, but also like your maybe your wallet up to a point too. Completely. Point. Yeah, yeah, and and I I won't deny that like the numbers game is it is and was still very much on my mind. I mean, I see that my my tweets don't get as many retweets or favorites as they did a year ago, and 
you know, like that's uh, not like maybe like a tough pill to swallow or something. It's oh, just because kind of, some of the YouTube fans have sort of, I mean, I don't want to say yeah, forgotten about just you, lost but interest in the same that way because I'm not, you know, that part of their life, you know. And um, in some ways, I see that as a regression. But I'm also much happier than I've ever been and much feeling so much more fulfilled. So in that way, that's a progression. But, you know, the numbers game is still something very much on my mind and something that occupies a lot of my, my, my thoughts and anxieties. But you yeah. know, for, for the most part, I've, I'm just uh, enjoying what we're doing, I suppose. Right. So I guess you would feel, I mean, I guess it, well, it must be hard when you're, okay, you put up a new video and you're like, holy shit, I got a million plays. And then you kind of like look around and it's like, I have no one to celebrate this with. Yes, yeah. Is that like, was it kind of a lonely existence? Is that part of what? It definitely was. Yeah, yeah. yeah at times it definitely was. Uh, uh, there there would be like all-nighters where I'd just uh, really focus on getting a, a video finished and uploaded. And, you mm -hmm. know, I'd, I'd, I'd keep to myself a Did lot. Did you start feeling a little ridiculous too? Like, L like, yeah, like, I, I felt a bit, a little bit like... Patty playing the bass. Oh, cut to Patty playing the drums. Like, yeah. Did that feel a little like... I felt like YouTube's Brian Wilson. I was just like, like, a, <laughs> okay. like a hermit, just uh, really yeah. working very pedantically on some of these things. So, what? Why the choice to drop YouTube completely? You, you didn't feel like you could kind of do both things, or um, do you think that? I mean, and if you kept going, do you think it would help your band too? To it's very possible, and I've had a lot of people ask me and really like question me and, and try to encourage me otherwise. Um, but the fact is, you know, I I started. Uh, posting covers online to be even you know half of where this band is today and you know the opportunity to sign to fearless records and you know to have managers and booking agents like we do that's exactly the the core reason that i started doing it in the first place so it seemed like uh an appropriate place to end that chapter and give this where i hoped i'd be a hundred percent um, because that's what I very much like doing. I like giving a hundred percent to like one thing and, uh, it felt, it, it would have felt very weird and possibly wrong to be, you know, picking and choosing what goes to where, because there's a lot of creating for, for YouTube and there was a lot of creating for the band. And it came to that deciding point where I had to, you know, choose the band over YouTube. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit, well, you mentioned already your straight edge. Yes. And that I guess you were a kid and you never like you know, felt the need to, you yeah, know, that's drink right. or... Yeah. It was, yeah, I, I'm not really sure as to why um, I had such a disinterest towards it. Um, but I'd be at either parties or like people would be like drinking in a park and like smoking cigarettes. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, it's not for me. That's mm -hmm. the thing. It's for, it's, it's great that it's for you, but it's not for me. So I didn't, I was never a part of it. And in turn, like I said, you know, I, I made and lost a lot of friends in doing that. Um, and then I, I, I befriended a guy, uh, named Jimmy. He played bass in a band called Your Demise and he introduced mm -hmm. me to straight edge culture because I knew what the, the term meant and I didn't know that there was, you know, this, this huge movement. So, so for you, it was, you were abstinent from drinking and smoking and all that stuff. And that was more important than saying I'm straight edge. Like you oh, didn't sure. even know what it was. Absolutely. Yeah, I knew it was a term, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know the the specifics or the you know why that term came into existence and the the, the music and the the movement. So you learned about the history of Minor Threat. Yes, and I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much. You were just admiring my my Judge Patch. On yeah, my, uh, great, my backpack. great. Yeah, you got. Let me look at your bag here. He's got Youth today. He's got Gorilla yeah, Biscuits today. Misfits, Gorilla Biscuits, Judge, The Exploited. I don't know if they're a straight edge band. They no. 
no, not that. Uh, but yeah, you got all this. So like, there's a few. Uh, and it's always, I always see you like walking around. You're wearing a My Chemical Romance shirt right now. You're such a band shirt guy. I'm very much a band shirt what's guy. That, what's that about? Uh, it's just kind of. I I was always the band shirt guy. I used to go to so many shows when I was when I was younger, and I'd uh, always buy a shirt most of the time when I was at a gig, and that would just replace another shirt. And I don't you know. must have an awesome collection. I have a pretty good collection. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like seventy to eighty percent black band t shirts and. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I know you. Um, I know it's like beaten to death how you're a UK guy, but you have an American accent, and it's because you were born in Minnesota and That's you moved right, to the yeah. UK when you were five or something. That's right. right yeah. Um, but what I'm more interested in is is how like music, you know, took over your life specifically. Like we're talking about hardcore bands and straight edge hardcore bands. Like when did you discover all that, and and what was the kind of path of music to where? kind of where it sits today yeah like i i discovered alternative music through music videos uh specifically like kerrang tv um through like blink 182 and green day and some 41 and newfound glory and stuff and uh but I, I i remember uh watching home movies of myself when i was three or four and i'm just like playing this toy guitar leaping off the couch and doing like these solos on my knees and stuff and it's funny because i don't know if that's something i ever really saw and you know, impressioned on me at that age. It was just, I, I, I think I was, I've always just enjoyed music and enjoyed the attention of performing very, very much. But it, I discovered uh, alternative music when I was uh, maybe maybe nine or ten, mm-hmm. and through that, you know, there were new metal was thriving at that time. So like Limp Bizkit and Slipknot, and through that, found uh, you know everything, everything. Yeah. But I mean. I, I like to ask specifically about like punk rock and hardcore because there's something different about it. You sure. know, I mean, unless for you it wasn't different. Did you don't like, did, was there a moment when you were like, like, I want to be like in a pop punk band or I want to be in a hardcore band or whatever? It was different. I always feel like that's different than saying, oh, yeah, I just liked like alternative music on the radio and then I found myself with a judge patch on my bag. Sure. You know, there's got to be something that clicked there. I don't know. I'm not sure if it was any different. If I'm if I'm completely honest, like well, why I, did you why did you buy your first guitar? Why? What what band compelled you to that, buy a guitar? That was definitely Blink One Eighty Two. It was uh well my 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 second electric guitar because uh, we we got like a, just a cheap Yamaha mm-hmm. that was like maybe like eighty pounds or something, and then I got like a like a Fender Strat, uh, like a red Fender Strat, which I still to this day have. Um, Is it the one with the black pickguard? That's the one. You yeah, know what? Yeah. I have the same color red strat with a black pick guard is that an american one yeah american highway one strat a highway okay mine's an american standard from like 94 or something but it's funny because i had a i had a white pick guard mm. and i replaced it with a black pick uh, guard, but it's got to be the same color as yours yeah, yeah so when my- i saw you yeah, playing in one of your videos i was like that's crazy we got the same guitar yeah i swapped the white pick guard out for nice, a black one man. yeah so i want to talk a little bit about singing too because this is the lead singer syndrome podcast yes, yes. and um well first thing i want to ask you is uh how's your lead singer syndrome doing it's doing do you carry, okay. Do you carry any gear today? I did. Yeah. This is, this is the thing is that uh, this this tour specifically is the first tour, first US tour where we've had no crew whatsoever. Uh, on our first one, we had a driver. On Warp Tour, we had a driver, a tour manager, and a merch guy. And on this tour, we have nobody except the five of us in our band. So we're driving ourselves. Is it weird driving on the wrong side of the road? I'm quite used to it. Okay. I'm finding the trailer much weirder than the, oh, yeah, the, the other sucks. side of the, the road. Is it, do you have a guy in the band that's the expert at backing it up? Foley. 
Yeah, I get that vibe from him. I feel like he would be good at that. Yeah, he's very he's real, good at that. He's a real like man's man. I think. Uh, yeah, honestly, if he were do if he were to do any other job besides be a drummer, he would drive trucks. He's you know confessed that he he would love to be a truck driver. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So okay. So you're uh, you're really pulling your weight as the lead singer. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so um, you've been on the tour for what, seven days now? Yeah. Voice holding up okay? It is holding up okay. It's always the first, uh, it's the second, third, and fourth days that my body aches everywhere from getting back it's into the, bang the swing over. Of it. it is, it yeah. is. It's just the whiplash in my neck and just the weird pulled muscles all down my back and legs. But that's all, that's all good now. Yeah, we're, cool. we're feeling all right. Cool. So um, generally on tour, are you pretty healthy and... Uh, <laughs> I, try, I try. I try. I try to be. Your voice ever? Uh, there's uh, there's some there's uh, a few too many Taco Bells. There's a few too many like crisps bought at Seven Elevens and stuff. We call them potato chips. Here. You do. This is correct. Yeah, a few <laughs> too many like Doritos. But um, yeah, I, I, I had two bananas for breakfast today. Nice. I had some like big falafel wrap with like some veggie stuffed in it. Um. Yeah, I'm taking those vitamins that you saw in my toiletry bag. Some B12, That's some vitamin good, C. Yeah. Well, yeah, vegan. You need the. Uh, you're vegan too, right? Yes, I we am. Haven't yeah, talked yeah. about that yet. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you need the B12. B12. Uh supplements so i only good. just found out what b12 actually does for your body so it's basically you need lots of b12 and iron when you're a vegan because you don't get as much iron because mm -hmm. you're not eating meat um b12 is what makes it um it allows your body to break down iron so if you were eating all the iron in the world as a vegan if you don't have enough b12 it can't break it down as a nutrient to like uh, give your body sustenance. I, you know what? I didn't know that. So I just learned that recently because I was feeling really unwell. Because I was vegan for three years. Oh, yeah? I'm vegetarian still, but I was vegan for three years. And yeah, I, I always heard you got to have B12. You got to have B12. So I took supplements and I would drink like soy milk with B12 in it and stuff yeah. like that. But all I knew was that if you didn't have B12, basically you were going to die. You were like you know, a day away from anemia. You're going to die. Like yeah, yeah. straight up death. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I don't know, man. I, uh, but that's good. You're, you're staying healthy on tour. I mean, that's fucking awesome. Um, so uh, with you guys, like you guys band is so interesting because your, your persona like is half like I'm a, like I'm a kind of like a straight edge vegan hardcore dude and then half like I'm a singer of a boy band. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. Do you actually, like, you are you accepting that? Oh, for sure, yeah. Because I don't, I don't mean to throw that at you as an insult. No, but Like, means, you yeah. know, you're a good-looking dude, and you have a personality that's very, like, hi, I'm Patty. Like, for you're sure. very friendly. Of course. You don't come off as, like, this tough, like, guy, really. Yeah. You know, when on stage, I mean, sometimes, you know, you get, like, you do a little bit of screaming here and there and mm -hmm. stuff, but, like... um What is, like, the fan reaction to that? Like, you must have so many young fans... Is that like kind of weird for you, like, or is or is that cool? Or are you just like like totally cool with having like thirteen year old girls kind of? Like, I think what, trying I think, to relate to what you're saying, and and is that what you're trying to appeal to? I think. Or are you kind of bummed? Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. Are you kind of bummed that like hardcore dudes aren't into it as much? Yeah, not at all. I, I think I think what's cool about um, our demographic being predominantly younger is that's when I discovered this genre when I was around that age. My I, I did slightly earlier. But, you know, uh, you know what, what excites me about bands like Five Seconds of Summer breaking into the mainstream is that it's very possible that kids that would, instead of discovering One Direction, are going to discover Five Sauce and through that discover Pop Punk. What and did you call them? Five, five Sauce. That's, that's, people say that? That's their like abbreviated, yeah. <laughs> Never heard that before. Five Sauce. And then, five uh, sauce. then maybe they'll discover Pop Punk and then maybe discover like Hardcore and... Uh, 
you know, full circle. That's like sounds like something you'd put on like a Five Guys burger. Hey, yeah, some can five I get, sauce. Can I get a five uh, get number two combo, <laughs> extra five sauce? <laughs> no, man, I hear what you're saying, and I, I like definitely think that that those bands do open up like you know the gateway, and and I'm sure you know I, I was outside. You know, we're in Toronto right now. And you guys are opening for Mayday Parade. There's so many people outside. Like, oh, no and, you know, and you know, Mayday Parade, they've been around a long time, you know, but yeah. I wonder how many of these fans, very young fans, are like they maybe got into uh, Five Sauce or uh, One Direction or those bands. Sure. And now they've been like, okay, we've listened to those bands for a little while, but now what are the real fucking bands? Like, I'm a little older. Oh, Mayday Parade, like, you know, and, and as it is, and mm-hmm. Real Friends and all these other, you know, pop punk bands. So yeah. I think that that is important. For sure. For sure. And I, I think what's what's a little bit funny and a little bit of a contradiction about, you know, when you uh, want to pick and choose your demographic, like we're, we are, we don't care about being cool. We just like doing what we do and we have a good time doing it. And, you know, there's uh, there's integrity in our music. Um, but we're not concerned about being cool. And I think some of the time you'll have um, genres or, you know, bands with a specific style or niche that will seem like they're trying not to be cool. And that in itself is potentially trying to be cooler than we're trying to be cool. We're well, not really concerned right. at all, even slightly, you know. I call it the uh, we don't care so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, right? It's not caring to the extent that it becomes your your image and your fashion, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And um and that's that's a good point. So you guys you guys really just don't care about credibility. We couldn't give a fucking shit. Am I allowed to swear on this? Of course you're allowed to. Okay, I'm just <laughs> Go on for a while. I'm just yeah, Sing the okay. Blink song where all they do is swear. I'm sure that was a favorite of yours when you were 9. Uh, how's that go? Shit, piss, piss cock. Fuck, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, turd, and twat. In the aquarium. There you go. That's the whole song, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They repeated a few times, and that's, uh, man. So, okay, well. uh... One of the reasons I enjoy doing this podcast so much is that I get to bring brand new music, great music, right into your ear holes. And today, I've got something super new and awesome, a brand new band called Best Case. Super, super new. Hailing from Atlanta, Best Case could best be described as blending emo, pop punk, and alternative with a touch of nostalgia, but of course, I'm going to let you decide. Here is a clip from their debut single, Heavy Seas. Could compete with that disease, some moments that you lost and gained were a There it is. Great stuff. And check out the very emotional video for the song on YouTube as well. The whole album is out July 12th. Make sure you follow the band on whatever streaming service you use as well because you do not want to miss it. It's produced by Zach Odom and Kenneth Mount, Mayday Parade and Cartel. And the band also features drummer Ben Cato, known for his work in his previous band, The Dangerous summer we love them around here so go check out best case it's brand new you heard it here first 
and thank me later. Head over to bestcase.band for links to everything or simply search for Best Case wherever you get your music. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Speaking of credibility, um, when you did your last record, you guys went to Florida and you worked with a very credible producer. Yeah. Uh, James Paul Wisner. Is that how you say his name? Wisner? It is, yeah. And uh, how was working with him? It was great because he did the um, the most famous record he did was their only chasing safety under oath record, which yeah. is at this point, I mean, it's definitely a classic. Yeah. So how how was that experience? It was it was incredible, and he's he's worked with um, Dashboard Confessional, which was a, a huge influence for for me specifically, um, and uh, he also did um, what is it? Almost here. Uh, by the Academy is, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of mine and Ben's favorite records as well. Um, so he's done uh, not only a lot of records that we really admire, uh, but a lot of records that in- in- inspire the kind of nostalgic sound that we aim for, that more kind of drive-through records, era pop punk, emo style. Um, so it was very important that we worked with somebody who understood the uh, the mentality and the real sound of what we were trying to emulate. I don't know if emulate's quite the right word, but I'm going to go with that. Well, what you were influenced by. For sure. What the like, influence of the band is, sure. Yeah, but at the same time, we wanted somebody that was, you know, a, both a strong producer and engineer. Um, and some of his recent records, like his hands, his work with Hands Like Houses is great. And uh, yeah, yeah we, we went with him for, we recorded, I think, for five and a half weeks and it was our it was our first record, so it was all just you know kind of learning as we went along. Um, but, but you yeah. must have some recording experience yourself, like all those um, uh, covers you did on YouTube. Like they all sound really good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and you must have engineered. You must have recorded the whole thing yourself, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's. Uh, I think that's that's part of it as well. Is um, I had to learn to to step away from you know like clicking the mouse and doing all the the tweaking of the knobs and the engineering because uh, when we came into the studio uh, we had uh, demos that we'd you know done in pre production to the extent where we like really crafted the uh, the delays and the tremolos and stuff so by the time we got there it was it was really difficult to part ways with you know what we came to know the song to be to the extent where some of them had to stay. Like some of the uh, the effects became part of the song, um, and right. uh, we, yeah. we felt a bit pedantic at times. But at the same time, like that's the record that we we wrote and wanted to to leave the studio with. And uh, what part of Florida is the studio? Uh, Saint Cloud, Florida. We we Saint were st- Cloud. Yeah, no clouds in Saint Cloud. Uh huh. We, we were <laughs> staying in uh, Kissimmee, Florida. Uh huh. Like that, Orlando area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Did you guys like it? I mean, was it? I know you've been to the U.S. obviously a lot, being born there, and I know you go back. Just visit family, but what about the other guys in your band? We loved it because it was early October and it was starting to get very overcast and cold in the UK. And mm-hmm. then we uh, we came out to to Florida 
and Fearless put us up in this vacation house with a rental car and it was great. It's it like was amazing paradise. of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we were just kind of yeah, that's like tanning by the pool and nice, stuff nice. when we got back from the studio. It was great. It was very, very cool. That reminds me a little bit of when we made our our second record. We went to California to do it yeah. and we were in like Orange County, yeah. you know, and it was the same thing. It was like wintertime. And we went to California. It was like, this is the best. And, sure. it, and it can actually be kind of inspiring. Uh, it must definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Did you guys have it pretty much all written or did you did you do some writing there too? We really did have it pretty much all written. It was, it was about 95% written. There were just a few lyrics to be finished and uh, maybe like some transitions and kind of intros to songs that weren't like concrete. Uh, but we, uh, uh, yeah, it was written for the most part. And vocally, fully. like, was that, I guess that was the first time you've worked with like a real ass producer. Yes. Was yeah. that different for you or was it about what you expected? Um, it was, it was both different and what I expected at, at times. Um, we, Ben and I went and got six singing lessons before we entered the studio and that was integral. It was so necessary. You because, got singing lessons. Yeah. Yeah. In Florida. Oh, no, no. In, no this is before we left. Before you, you we got, left. Okay. In, in the UK with uh, a woman named Stevie Van Lang, who is incredible. Uh, if uh, There's a band called Marmosets, uh, the singer of Marmosets, Becca. She's been trained by her as well. And uh, it's, yeah, she was great, but she's also, she understands that we need to be aggressive in our music and she just teaches us how to do it safely. She's not like, you know, abandon the the gritty and the screaming stuff. So, so she teaches like, teaches things like, uh, like warm-ups. Yes. And breathing and things like that yeah and, and how to uh you know sing certain melodies uh so that they they, they sound the best and they're easier on our voice because a lot of them are very high up like the, the top of my range right um but yeah uh re- recording uh vocals was the thing that pleasantly surprised me about recording vocals was that we would do guitars in the morning and vocals at night so that we weren't just doing solid days of vocals because yeah. that was that was a big fear of mine was that's, that I was going to lose my voice That's in the, the way we do it. Yeah. And I think that that's the way you almost have to do it is yeah. do guitars in the morning because I mean let's face it uh, you can't fucking sing when you wake up. No. It's just not going to happen. No. So you know like for me I wake up like let's say I wake up in the you know 9 30 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Let's say you start guitars at like ten, then mm-hmm. I'm like maybe I can start singing around like one or two at my best. But yeah. some people like really like to work late in the night. Yeah, is that how you were doing? Or I'm very it? much one of those people. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I like. I operate very nocturnally. Um, <laughs> uh, the later, the better, really. Um, so yeah, we'd we'd start recording vocals around maybe six or seven p.m. Um, and I do those for about two to three hours. The longest uh, session I did was four hours, and that was. Starting yeah. to really strain my voice, and then we took the next day off, but then I was fine again. Yeah, that's we we did it on our second record, and in our third record, we worked with Mark Trombino, who, yeah. as a drive through records fan, uh, you must, uh, yeah, of course, you know, worship the ground he walks on, and I really did too. Yeah. And um, I don't want to throw him under the bus too much, but we didn't have the best experience oh, yeah. with him, and part of the reason that that it really bummed me out so much was he didn't want to work like that. He wanted to do full days of vocals. Sure, I was like, sure. dude, I can't do it. Yeah. I just can't. Do, oh, you want me to sing from you know twelve noon to twelve to twelve uh, to twelve a.m. Like forget about it. Yeah, and uh, like he, he nearly killed me, dude. It was like horrible. It's just it's such a strenuous uh, process on your yeah. on your instrument. You're like it it's, it's your body, you know. So how many days did you spend uh, recording vocals? It or must it's hard have to been, tell, I guess, if you're doing half days. But uh, I guess well, we spent the first three days on drums. 
Oh, goodness. First three days on drums and two days on bass. And we were there for five and a half weeks. So it was kind of the, the remaining, yeah, remaining time. Yeah, a lot of times on, time on vocals. Yeah, yeah, a lot of time. A lot of time on vocals and guitars, yeah. Do you sing your own harmonies too or do you have a... I did on this record, yeah. yeah. Um, do you write them too or does the producer write them on a keyboard for you? Or They were they were written and we like tweaked a few things. Okay, yeah. cool. But yeah, they, they were all part of the pre-production before we oh, went wow, to the studio. That's... Mine and Ben's as well. That's good. You guys are very prepared. Yeah, yeah. I write, I like, what I do when I do my vocals is I get in the booth and I have like the, you know, the main melodies for the songs and sometimes they'll change, right? Sure. Because like, you know, yeah. you don't want to plan it too much. Yeah. And then I, I actually figure out the melody on a guitar and then I figure out the harmony on the guitar and I sing all the harmonies. Yeah, sure. So I know I'm a, I know I'm a bit different, but yeah, I was wondering no, how people do harmonies in we're the studio. Very, we're very neurotic songwriters. Like we, we really work on a song until it's like we can decide definitively like this song is done and we'll we'll play around with all the the intricate and neurotic things until until that point do you ever find when you um you write a song and it's a certain way and then you change it around and you change it around and you change it around and then next thing you know it's exactly the original way uh, right? that you wrote it yeah, yeah isn't that amazing how often that happens someone will be playing like this lead line it's like oh that, that's not quite right then you'll try about like eight or nine more and you're like oh that sounds great it was like that's the first thing i played yeah and you've just like you've either compromised or you've just entered a new state of mind where you think that's good but that yeah. happens all the time yeah well that's the the classic too is like in the studio with like a guitar um guitar amp right you know I don't know how you guys are for guitar amps, and you're a guitar player. Did you play guitar on the record at all? I played rhythm guitar, yeah. Yeah, I play a lot of guitar on our records too, and yeah. I always like I hear a sound, and I'm like, oh no, it's like that's too clean or that's too much gain, and then we adjust it, and then I'm like, oh, that's perfect, and it's exactly the first one, you know, <laughs> right, right yeah. away the same. It's like, oh man, like your ears can really play tricks on you. I love when I'm like playing with uh, an EQ or playing with just any kind of plugin and I'm tweaking all these things and hearing a difference and then I realize it's been on bypass the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like my brain's just like changing how it sounds, my perception of it, but That's it, amazing. it really just hasn't changed at all. That's amazing, man. It happens all the time. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, Warp Tour. Yeah. Uh, which for you guys, you know, being an English band and uh, doing probably like maximum of two, three-week tours mm -hmm. uh, with, what, driving, like, a maximum of, like, a maximum in England of, like, three hours. Yeah. Maybe four hours. Yeah, yeah, Mainland Europe can be can be far drives, but um, how is that going into that warp Tour where it's, like, there's a stretch of 12 shows in a row. Oh, yeah. That You've was, got that was hard work. crazy climate change. It's hot as fuck. Mm -hmm. And you're driving, like, well, I guess you guys were in a bandwagon, weren't were you? We were in a bus, actually. Oh, a bus, okay. Yeah. But how was that, how was that experience for you? It was it was great at times and the worst at times. It's, I think that's just the way with with Warp Tour. But it was um, it was the it was, best of times. It was, it was the, the worst, worst of times. times. It was uh, yeah, no, it was super fun. A lot of the time, it was really luxurious. Like I said, we had a bus, so we had like a, a fridge and a bathroom on our vehicle for the first time, which was super cool. But um, yeah, like the 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 heat and the weather. I mean, like the the storms in Florida were really really yeah. hard work. Um, and you know we were we were hustling the lines every morning to to sell our albums, and we were doing like uh, Ben and I were doing TEI classes, which I know you and some yeah, did as yeah. well. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was very full on getting used to the finding out what time you're doing anything at ten thirty a.m. Uh, was very not very, the very strange. Yeah, that took a long time. Did you though. find that was hard on your voice too? Having like oh for sure yeah yeah, yeah the, the the early days for sure. Like if if when you're when you're singing when you're playing a set before eleven a.m. That, that's just yeah. a, such a weird thing to do and 
but yeah, we got used to it. We could just kind of uh, take any time by the end of it. But yeah. Any plans to do it next year? We're not sure at this point. Yeah. We, we don't have anything booked except uh, the, the tour after this, and that ends December that 16th. It's supporting a band called Lower Than Atlantis with uh, Moose right. Blood. As they're yeah, they're a, big in a big band in the UK, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, they cool. do very well. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, geez, man, we're like we're plowing through this. What do you want to talk about? Um, not entirely sure. Um, I know so very much about you guys now, which is very very weird because we all listen to you guys as kids. So now it's just like now now we're just bromies and stuff. We're so, bromies, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, we took you guys out on that um, English tour. Sorry, it was more European. It was all European. Yeah, there was no English dates at all. What am I talking about? Yeah. Um and um. Yeah, we became we hit it off right away. Mm-hmm. I I think you guys are great. Like, uh, y- I feel like your band. Like the first time I heard your band, and I was like, yeah, I, I really like this. But then when I saw your show and I saw what you were doing, and I saw the way you were interacted. I was like, I totally understand what this band is trying to do. Maybe that's what I'll ask you about because I remember you saying almost the, those exact selection of words, and I still to this day don't know like quite what that means. It's like because you said you like you got it. And I don't even think we get it. Like, we don't know. We're just, you know, writing music we like and playing a show we enjoy doing. Well, I don't know. Like, a part of it is I think you're just a natural, too. Like, I I don't even know if you know what you're doing. Like, I watched watched some of those YouTube videos. Sure. And, like, just the way your personality is and and the way you're talking, it's like like you're acting. Uh, Yeah. It's like it's fake, but it's knowing you that's not fake. It's just who you are. Yeah. Is that something you ever struggle with? Like... Like it happens with our guitar player Josh. Sure. Like we were on tour with Boy Sets Fire. Yeah. And they thought Josh was fucking with them. Oh right. Okay. And I'm like, no, he's just a nice guy. Yeah. And like, does that ever happen with you where like people were like, oh, he's fake and he's like putting I think- on this like act and he's like, you know, he's acting like a guy in a fucking in five sauce or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the guys just, but that's just who you are. The guys will always joke as well because when I'm, uh, I used to, when I made YouTube videos, like my, my talking voice got really, really high. And that's just what happens when I'm excited. Like that's kind of what's happening now. But when I'm just talking day to day, just in the, in the, in the van, I talk with like just a, a low like voice, like I don't give a shit. But yeah, it like you could, you could argue that that sounds very very fake and like it's put on and mm-hmm. exaggerated or augmented just for for entertainment. But it's just when I get excited, I have a weird whiny high voice. But the rest of the time, I, I don't really. But but I mean, when you're on stage and stuff, like something takes over. I don't yeah. know what it is, and like you have a great way of kind of commanding the crowd, and there's no dead air. You know, it's very like very energetic, and like how much do you um. How much do you plan out like what you're going to say on stage? Is there any like, I mean, obviously bands, when they make a set list, they'll go, okay, we're going to play these two in a row yep. and then we'll have a talking break. Yep. And I've seen singers actually script shit like yep. to the point where they'll actually write notes on their set list sure, or I've even okay. seen full sheets of words, Wow, which All is right. ridiculous. But how much of that is for you is like scripted or how much of it is just like off the cuff? There's, there's a lot of stuff that is still off the cuff and there's a lot of stuff that I've learned works. And won't say word for word the same every night, mm-hmm. but you know, you know when to get people jumping, and you know when to command what of a crowd, and what does work and what doesn't work, and therefore you steer clear of that. So it's just kind of you know learning the ropes of our set 
and, you know, when a crowd is feeling it and how to, you know, start to try to get them involved. Like last night in Buffalo was really, really sleepy for the first like four or five songs. Yeah. And by the end of it, it was nice and rowdy. And, you know, so what do you do that. when you come out and it's like, what's up, Buffalo? And everyone's like, Crickets. we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Especially being first of five on this tour. It's, of course. Yeah. It can be really tough. Yeah. So what do you try to do? Just. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. It's about equal parts trying to like command and excite a crowd, but equal parts understanding that not everybody, the majority of the crowd isn't there for you. So you, you, you have to respect if people don't want, like we're not going to like leave the stage in a strop and get all like pissed off. Like, yeah. why, were, like why didn't people go apeshit for the, f- the first band on this bill? Um, but at the same time, it's, it's very important that we like give it our all and really do try because, you know, that's what support bands are there for. And, you know, we obviously want to play a great set, a set that we're proud of, but, you know, we're not going to, you know, get like, start doing like a, a, a Bissy fit, a Ben Bissy fit. Oh, are you throwing Ben under the bus now? <laughs> is, he, is he the diva? Uh, see, because this is lead singer. I, I, I won't see, say, I won't say this no. This is lead but. singer syndrome. And generally speaking, you know, guys like you and me, we're the, the targets. Yeah. And in most cases, we really are. They're right in their assumptions yeah. that we are the divas and we are the ones with the that may throw the hissy fits uh, once in a while. But maybe in your case, it might be the uh, singer guitar player. Yeah, it isn't always me. It, it, it is. <laughs> it is me. always me. It, it, it it'll be me. You know, but it's not always me. Um, on this tour, you guys are first of five. You got no crew. Yeah. Um, are you guys getting hotel rooms or are you guys uh, sleeping on floors? We have three hotels booked for the entire like 48 days we're out here. And that's because we couldn't find anybody. And in hindsight, we really just should be sleeping in the van. In the van. We, di- we did it the other night uh, on the drive to Buffalo. I drove us till 4.30 in the morning and we slept in a Walmart parking lot, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we should be doing instead of these hotels. Um, but, uh, you know, this is our, our third US tour uh, and we've met enough people that we didn't have to... Uh, you know, pay out or have to sleep in the van. We're we're sleeping on floors, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, which is which is great. I thought you just said you're getting hotel rooms. We we have three booked for the oh the, three. Okay, I thought you meant I thought you meant three per night. Oh God, no! I no. was like, okay, you booked okay, <laughs> okay. So okay, no, that's well, that's when we were really well, really stuck. Okay, and I get it I, now. now even in hindsight, <laughs> think those were a mistake. We shouldn't have gotten those. But so uh, okay, so you um, I mean, there must be some stories from sleeping on some floors. I mean. Yeah, it's a crazy sure. life. We yeah. we did it for Silverstein. We did it for a lot of years too. Yeah. yeah. You got any stories? Uh, what's the most recent? The uh, we we stayed in. This was back in um in uh, either February or March on the Glamour Kills tour. We were touring the states with a band called Rome. It was twelve of us in a fifteen seater, uh, and we stayed at this like this horrible horrible house in Denver. Um, that was just filthy. There was dirt and dust everywhere. Just in, in, I went to use the toilet and just, there was dirt in the the bathtub, just dirt and shoes. And it was really, really gross. Um, and we were about to go to bed and we said, we, we can't actually find the light switch. How do we turn this light off? They're like, we moved in three weeks ago and we haven't found it. So the light's just been on for three weeks. And <laughs> like these people were just so very bizarre, so very, very strange. And this house was gross. It was filthy. And I woke up on a Band-Aid and it was it was a terrible, terrible time. <laughs> you slept with the light on because you couldn't figure no, out. No, we got like off. a towel or a hoodie and unscrewed it. The but it was bulb. the first time that that room had been dark in three weeks. Apparently, these people were just like, we just don't give a shit. Wow. <laughs> that was kind of gross. My favorite story is... Uh, 
we were we were kind of past the point of staying in like staying on people's floors uh-huh. and we generally we were getting like hotel rooms and stuff and we played a show in prince edward island canada which is like a remote island i don't know if you know where it is it's like I don't it's like you have to take this 50 kilometer long bridge to get sure. there and it's a it's its own province but there's like hardly anyone lives there so we're there we had a great show and the hotels are like kind of expensive in canada and i was like you know what for old time's sake we should like we should just sleep on someone's floor. Like they're gonna. So we go to this um, this house, and it was kind of like a student house. Mm-hmm. And uh, these uh, guys were like, "Yeah, you know, like stay up and drink." And uh, most of us were kind of tired. I was like, "I'll have a beer," but not really. And a few people were like, "Fuck this! I'm getting out of here. It's dirty in here. I'm sleeping in the van." So I'm sleeping on the floor, and um, and I go to bed. And all of a sudden, these like girls come in, and they're like. Like it's being so loud and they're making all this noise in the kitchen. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So then all of a sudden they're just like start smashing all the food, like having a food fight in the kitchen, yeah. smashing bananas on the ground. There's like food everywhere. And like, what am I going to do? It's not my house. I'm not going to get up and be like, Hey, can you keep it down? Yeah. Like, so I don't know what's wrong with these girls. So anyways, I, I go to sleep, close my eyes and in the middle of the night, I feel like this. Like, kind of like someone licking, like, it feels like someone's licking my face. Yeah. So the first thing I think of is, like, oh, my God, are these girls, like, fucking with us now? It's the first (laughs) thing I think of. So I I open my eyes, and there's no one there. I'm like, that's weird. Really fucking weird. So I uh, go back to sleep, and I feel it again, and I wake up, and I see a bat fly across the room. (laughs) I expected you to say, like, a dog or something. A bat. What the fuck? And I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> so I so I went and I slept in the van, uh, found a spot. It was full, but I found like a little, wedged myself in the, between the wheel wells or something. Shit. And, uh, and then um, in the morning, I got up and I was like, you're not going to believe what happened. They're like, you're not going to believe what happened. I was like, what? It's like, there's a there was a bat in the fish tank and we liberated it. We saved its life. It was gonna die. It was gonna drown. It like was flapping in the top, like but you know between like the water is. Uh huh. It, it was gonna die and we saved its life. It's like well, but that's my like the bat. So they thought that I had thrown like put the bat in the <laughs> in the aquarium. Oh so I was my like, god! I was like, oh well, it must have like it must have I must have scared it and it must have crash landed into the aquarium, but. What we still don't understand is the aquarium was covered. Yeah. So I don't know. But that was the last, officially the last time I ever slept on somebody's floor. That is so very bizarre. (laughs) You've also just reminded me, like when we we played a show in Eindhoven in the Netherlands and we went to stay at this girl's house and we climbed up these stairs in in this dark room and discovered that she lived uh, above an orthodontist. And we just got into this place and there's just like, like dentist surgery gear everywhere and all these gas masks it was really really weird and creepy then we ascended even further and then she had this this bunny that just roamed around like a like a cat or a dog yeah and it ate through my phone charger in the night (laughs) (laughs) and i was was just quite glad it didn't die like it didn't get like shocked and like but it was it was yeah it was a bit weird yeah that was quite weird. the only other one i have uh i had a rat crawl across my face when i was sleeping on (laughs) will will from aiden uh sleeping at his house will Uh from aiden's floor and he lived in like a basement apartment in Seattle, and I had a rat crawl across my face. That was, ugh, that was that was worse than the bat. That's pretty bad. Rats and bats. Rats and bats. Well, hey man, uh, thanks for your time, dude. Um, of course, anytime, man. Uh, I guess plug the record and tell people what you guys are up to. 
Yeah. Uh, so our record, our debut record, Never Happy Ever After, uh, is out now. Um, and yeah, we're currently on tour uh, supporting Mayday Parade, uh, the Real Friends in This Wildlife on the AP Tour. And yeah, we we will hopefully be be back in North America sometime soon. But yeah, it's, it's nice to be back. This is our second well, ever... Well, people are going to get this in uh, in England too and maybe Europe. And yeah. So... So we'll you be got a tour coming up with Laura in Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. So well. some of you the biggest it. rooms we played in the UK too. We're playing the Roundhouse in, in Camden, which is going to be awesome. very, very cool and surreal for us. And uh, it's all we've got booked for now. Just uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying it. Well, thank you very much, Patty. It's Anytime, fantastic. Man. Of course. So yes, I didn't love revisiting uh, the story of rats crawling across my face and bats landing on my face, uh, but they are indeed true sewer stories of sleeping on floors, so maybe sometime we'll have an all-tour story episode of uh, Lead Singer Syndrome. Anyways, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, Patty was great. Next week we have an even better show than this one, if you can believe it. So please tune in every Monday, subscribe, Get on the RSS feed, whatever it is you do, if you use Overcast or Stitcher or even just the regular old podcast app on your iPhone. It's all good. So thanks a lot. I'm going to leave you with um, my favorite As It Is song. Actually, they just released a new video for this one. It's called Speak Soft. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. Why should I stick around when all I do is let